Hello, and welcome to The Accidental Curator, episode 14. My name's George Bathgate, and uh, I'm coming to you from Maine Island today. I think I may have mentioned on one of my uh, previous podcasts that I'd moved my equipment from Kitsilano, Vancouver to my uh, gallery studio here on Maine Island, just because it's a, it's a sweet place to do these recordings. And uh, yeah, I enjoy my little window, uh, corner window spot. Gives me a chance to look out at the uh, at the ocean or the the pass that separates Maine Island from Galliano, and uh, watch some of the ferry traffic that goes by. It's kind of a sweet spot. Um, it's January the fourth, and I hope you all had a lovely uh, holiday season, and that you're tentatively edging into the new year with hope and optimism. Uh, I've been realizing lately that. Uh, I've been saying to people at the end of each year, last couple of years, well, next year's got to be better. And I've been wrong for at least two years. So I was a little reluctant to say that to people this year, uh, unless it was in a kind of a joking sense. But uh, I think we we need to be optimistic. We need to keep our hopes up. And if possible, put some of our time and our energy towards positive change. Um, just a few words about today's episode. Um, it's called the Bluthner, and if you are unfamiliar with that word, it is a German piano. And the story is about the piano. Uh, I won't get into great detail here, but just to say that, like the uh, the name of this podcast, the Accidental Curator, I did receive a piano somewhat accidentally, and I'm going to tell you about uh, my journey with that piano which I've had for the last seven or eight years. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Please have a listen. It was just sitting there waiting for me when I got back from Vancouver. Black, lustrous, and beautiful. It now occupied the space I'd left for it against the far wall between the two tall, blonde cabinets. Possessing a certain presence and grace, it sat there patiently, as if expecting me. My new roommate had arrived. The Blutner piano was here. The movers had obviously found the secret key and managed to access my gallery and wrestle its awkward bulk into place without my assistance. For this I was grateful, as pianos are notoriously difficult to move. Three men with a truck, a special dolly, and straps is still no guarantee of safety for the piano or the movers. This is why you'll find many pianos being offered for free if you pick up the moving fees. In fact, the piano was not mine. A friend had received it for free when the local community center on Main Island decided to divest themselves of their two pianos. His impulsive agreement to take the piano was short-lived, though, when he realized that he didn't have the space for it. Pianos are beautiful instruments and have an intrinsic allure, even if you don't know how to play them, like myself. When offered a chance to store it indefinitely in my gallery cafe, I readily accepted, and now it was here. What to do? It looked lovely in its new home, fitting perfectly between the two cabinets allowing for stylish art displays on the wall in the alcove above and on top of the piano too. But what of the piano itself? What is a Blutner? 
a name I'd never heard before one showed up in my gallery. I was curious. It all started with a little Wikipedia. Julius Blutner Pianoforte Fabrik manufactures pianos in Leipzig, Germany, along with Beckstein, Bossendorfer, and Steinway. Blutner is frequently referred to as one of the big four piano manufacturers. Established in 1853, Julius Blutner, a deeply religious man, spoke the defining words that would allow his company to survive and flourish for the next 169 years. May God prevail. The age of any particular Bluthner piano can be determined by matching its serial number to the age table freely available on the Bluthner website. Bluthner pianos have won international awards consistently since their inception and have been prized by pianists all over the world, including Rachmaninoff, who said, There are only two things which I took with me on my way to America, my wife and my precious Blutner. Hmm, that's an impressive degree, I thought. And I can determine the age of my Blutner? That's so cool. I had to look. Lifting up the lid and exposing the hammer action, I saw the serial number stenciled on the metal frame. 92989. Returning to the computer and the Blutner website, I was able to determine that my Blutner was built in 1914, exactly 100 years earlier. I was doing all this sleuthing in March 2014. A hundred years. I paused to reflect for a moment on this significant date. I think we naturally accredit a special respect for anything that is celebrating a century of life on this earth. If the Blutner was not technically alive, it had experienced a lot of life at the hands of its various owners, and significantly it was born in Leipzig, Germany at the start of World War I, which began on July 28th of that year. A few questions immediately sprung to mind. Where did it go? What circuitous route throughout its 100 years brought it to Main Island? My curiosity about the Blutner's journey was piqued, and I wanted to know all I could about her. But all I had was the piano sitting before me, and she wasn't speaking. I grabbed a flashlight and a screwdriver and started to explore. Removing the bottom panel just above the piano pedals, I peered in with my flashlight and saw the serial number again, handwritten in pencil, along with what appeared to be a signature. My first thought was of a young German piano maker leaving his mark for posterity, a little Saxon graffiti, and immediately wondered what might have happened to him with the advent of war. Without knowing for certain, though, I sent a photo to my German friend, Reiner Schroeder, of Valhalla Tours for translation. Reiner said that, although it's definitely a word, the font is an old German, or Sweaterlin, as it's called, and he wasn't sure what it meant. Undaunted, I went online and found a woman named Catherine Schober of SK Translations, who works in this field, to see if she could help. Catherine was too busy, but directed me to genealogist Dr. Ellen Jutzi-Glieb. She, too, was busy, but gave me three Facebook translation groups, which I joined, and within hours had a viable translation from a fellow named Georg Patrzek. 
It looks like Schempel, which is an old German family name, he said. God, I love the internet. It makes research so easy and accessible nowadays. I was glad that the word I discovered was a family name and didn't mean right piano leg in Sutterlinschrift. Knowing that Mr. or Mrs. Chempel decided to sign this instrument upon which he or she worked creates a whole thread of historic inquiry to ponder or pursue. Was he young, old, married with family? What happened to Schempel? Did he get sent to fight in World War I or World War II? In a last grasp at trying to understand and complete this circle, I sent an inquiry to the Bluthner Piano Company, which still operates in Leipzig to this day. Within fairly short order, I received a polite reply from someone in their public relations department that they did not keep employee records dating back that far, but they did thank me for my inquiry. Realizing that I'd hit a bit of a dead end with regards to the identity or history of Mr. Schempel, I turned my attention back to the piano. The next and most obvious clue in the Bluthner's journey was a small metal plaque attached to the keyboard lid, which read Bowerin and Company Limited, Newcastle on Tyne. I knew that Newcastle on Tyne was in England, so the Bluthner had to have made its way safely between two warring countries, but I had no way of knowing when it made that perilous trip. Mr. Google was there to help and gave me a little tidbit from the Newcastle Journal, August 4, 1916, a small classified ad indicating that E.O. Bowron was indeed engaged in piano sales, representing several makes and models of new and used pianos. Bowron survived the war, but not the Great Depression, and had to be wound up due to liabilities, as published in the London Gazette, February the 5th, 1935. So, somewhere between 1914 and 1935, the Bluthner made its way to England, sat in a piano shop in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, and was sold, either new, used, or as part of a bankruptcy liquidation. Sometime during its long life, an aspiring pianist, or perhaps a child who didn't know any better, sat down at the piano with a pen and piece of paper and forever scarred the keyboard cover while writing out the notes and lyrics to a song. All I have been able to discern from this etching on the piano are the words and chords bridge, B-flat, crazy, on, after, E minor, let's, on, Bill, Dean, E-flat, F-sharp minor, their scribbling moved around too much for me to identify the song or tell what era it's from. I visualize a young student or budding musician from the 60s or 70s copying or creating a piece for personal enjoyment or to entertain family and friends. I find these words add a human element to the Bluthner's almost indecipherable journey. The trail goes cold there until August 10th, 1986, when, according to a sticker I found attached to the inside of the piano, the Bluthner was tuned up by a man named Cliff Brownlee of Penticton, British Columbia. I've attempted to fill in some of the gaps in the Bluthner's history, 
but haven't been able to go beyond the plaques, stickers, and graffiti that were left attached to the piano. The 50-year gap between Newcastle and Penticton is long, so I decided to try and locate Cliff Brownlee in Penticton to see if he was still alive and if he could remember anything about the piano. A full 28 years after his tuning job, it was a long shot. Much to my surprise, I found him in the Penticton directory, no longer listed as a piano tuner and living at a different address, but still alive and accessible. I felt compelled to call him. What possible harm could it do, I thought. Again, surprisingly, Cliff picked up the phone after a couple of rings. I could tell by his voice that I was not dealing with a young man. I explained who I was and why I was calling, that I was on a crazy mission to try and understand the life of a piano. How did it get to Penticton and then to Main Island? Cliff was friendly, but admitted that after this length of time, he really had very little memory of working on the Blutner. But, again with the surprises, he said he would look into his files and call me back. He did just that. Two days later, I received a call from him. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to elaborate much more on my piano's journey. He did recall coming to Maine to tune David Hodge's grand piano back when he was still in business. So we speculated that perhaps the Blutner was here at that time and not in Penticton, and that Cliff had picked up some additional tuning jobs. I had one more lead to try, call the community center and see where they got the piano to talk to whomever donated it. A chat with Lauren led me to Lise, who gave me the final word on my request. A couple named Don and Nina Thompson had made the donation to the community center, but they were now both in a seniors care facility in Victoria and should really not be disturbed. The thought being that perhaps they would be dismayed to know that their donation had changed hands and was now in a gallery cafe. After all my sleuthing, I certainly had the urge to call them or their family members, but I honored Lisa's request to leave them in peace. If Don and Nina's intent when they made their donation was for the Blutner to be cared for and played lovingly, I'm sure they would love the little video that I made called 11 Pieces for the Blutner. It's a compilation made over five or six years of people dropping by the cafe and asking if it would be okay to sit down and play a few pieces for the customers. I'm sure the enthusiasm and talent of the performers and the evident appreciation of their various audiences would warm Don and Nina's hearts and assuage any concerns they might have. Hello again. I hope you enjoyed episode 14, uh, The Blutner. It was a lot of fun putting that story together. Um, might make me seem a little obsessive, I don't know, but I really enjoyed the sleuthing aspect of it. I just got into it, you know. It was like a little treasure hunt, uh, tracking down information about an old piano. It was quite cool. And as a, a little uh, epilogue to the story, um, I even 
tried to contact a woman on Facebook who had the last name Chemple, but she hasn't responded to me. So I don't know if that'll happen or not. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's just sort of a standalone little uh, research project on an old piano and uh, tried to show it a little bit of respect. Uh, it's still here in the gallery. I love having it. I don't know if it'll ever leave here and go back to its rightful owner or if he will just not want to go to the trouble of moving it because, as I mentioned, they're very difficult to move. Um, and another thing, uh, a few months ago I was uh, just looking at uh, books online and I found this book called The Weight of a Piano by a woman named Chris Kander. And it's a story about a Bluthner piano. And of course I was intrigued, so I had to read it. And it's a great little story. Um, if you're into pianos, uh, this she gives sort of an historic uh, story about the piano and its move from Russia to California, I think it was. At the end of the story, I was just curious about Chris uh, Kander, and I, I wrote her a little email uh, saying, hey, Chris, you know, I've got I've got my own little blog here. And I sent her uh, I sent her just a clip, a link to my blog, and we had a little exchange of thank you for your uh, blog. She, she seemed to like the blog. Uh, she was pleased. She doesn't have a piano. I was surprised that she was able to go into such great depth about pianos and uh, the world of pianos and what they all mean to various people. So if you're interested, you can have a little read of that. And one last thing, I did mention uh, in the story that I had written, uh, this, ori this originated on a blog of mine on my uh, website for the gallery, which is shavasana.ca. And I had made a little movie. It's just a little uh, a six or seven minute clip called 11 Pieces for the Blutner. And if you wanted to see that, there's two things. I'm going to direct you to the website and you could go to the blog and have a little look. There's pictures and stuff in the blog of the piano and various aspects of the story that I've related today. And at the very end is this uh, video, uh, 11 Pieces for the Bluthner. So I'll give you directions on how to get there. Otherwise, I am going to try and put it on my Podbean host. I'm going to try and cut the uh, clip of the YouTube uh, video and put it on the Podbean host, but I don't know if that's going to work. So it's either going to be on my website as I direct, or it'll be on Podbean, uh, if you're interested. Anyway, uh, if you are, go to shavasana.ca. And once you're there, that's my website. Uh, just go to the blog and the blog will open up and there's a little search bar there. And if you type in the Bluthner, and it's B-L-U-T-H-N-E-R. And for purists, the Bluthner, uh, the U is, uh, it has umlauts over the U. And that will take you right to the article. And you can either have a little look at the pictures and watch the video or none of the above. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I am still obsessing about it. It's, it's, uh, it was so much fun writing it, researching it. And living with the piano, I have such great times when people walk in and want to play. It's just, uh, that's a really heartfelt, happy moment for me when that happens. Anyway, I hope you are well. I hope you have a great 2023. Um, so much needs to be done in this uh, world that we share. And I hope uh, you're able to do your part and you live a peaceful and safe and healthy and happy year. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon when I work on the next podcast whenever and wherever that will be, I'll send out a notification. And once again, it is available on 
Podbean or on Google um, Google Podcasts or on Apple Music, uh, any one of those three sites. Stay well, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.